the glory of God is greatly missing from this generation. The knowledge of God is is vastly unknown. The the power of God is uh, revealed in minuscule portions compared to the the actual omnipotence of God. And so, knowing that these things are missing from the church, it behooves us as pastors and leaders and teachers and preachers to proclaim the glory and the greatness and the majesty and the splendor, the weightiness, the substance, the holiness of God, uh, far beyond, I believe, what is being proclaimed in our generation. Who is God? What's he like? When we look at the Bible, God's personality seems like it has some serious contradictions. How can the Old Testament God thundering on Mount Sinai be the same as the one healing beggars and children in the New Testament? Today, Keith Holloway joins Gary Wilkerson to discuss the complexity of God's character and how we can get to know our Maker better. But before we join them, want a quick and easy way to find our newest podcast episode? Just say, hey Alexa, play the Gary Wilkerson podcast. With Alexa, you don't have to type, search, or even open your computer to hear the latest encouragement from Gary and his guests. We would not be able to create these resources without generous listeners like you. Please consider donating to Power the Mission and make World Challenge resources like this devotional and podcast possible. And now, here's Gary. Gary Wilkerson here with my dear friend, uh, Keith Holloway. Keith is the missions director at World Challenge and also, uh, I believe, a great theologian who really understands the heart of God. And that's what we want to do today. We want to bring you something that is very necessary in this generation. And if you've noticed the past few weeks as Keith and I have been together, it's a bit of a shift in our uh, Gary Wilkerson podcast from more um, pastoral care type messages of overcoming addictions or family issues, uh, health issues, and, and into more of, uh, I guess I'd have to say, deeper theological issues in the heart and nature and character of God. I believe this is so important for us because the more we know God, the more it tr- transforms our lives. Um, sometimes we get our, try to get our lives transformed by um, external issues, um, counseling or uh, other, other means. But really, get, getting to know God is the best way to get your life to where you long for it to be. And it's important in this generation A.W. Tozer says, the glory of God has been uh, revealed. The glory of God has not been revealed to this generation. And that's what we want to talk about today, the glory of God, uh, particularly in his attributes, the attributes of God, which is a very, uh, you know, right, Keith, you could talk for eons about this and never even begin to scratch the surface of who God is and his nature and characteristics. But these are not um, um, just head knowledge informational pieces these are these are things that really go to the heart uh, our worship comes from our knowledge of god our uh, the power to be transformed comes from the, the character and nature and attributes of god the more we know god the more powerfully he works in our lives rather than having a, a distant relationship with god so um so yeah let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the the nature character and attributes of god um <clears throat> So Keith, uh, let's start by just kind of the, the. I guess the first question would be, what? How do you define the attributes of God? What? What are they? Or not necessarily listing them, but um, how, if somebody asked, you know, what are the attributes of God? What? Where's your mind go to start with on that question? Well, like most of us, we go to the dictionary. Uh, we may have our own concept of a definition, but. Going to the defin, uh, to the dictionary gives us something of a foundation by which we can begin to either affirm our 
uh, own definitions or gain more information. So the Webster Dictionary just says that an attribute is a quality, uh, it's, a, it's a characteristic uh, that is ascribed to something or someone. And um, I, I found that to be good, but uh, it threw me off a little bit actually because uh, it says that it's ascribed to something or someone. And uh, as we look at the attributes of God, of course, uh, we're trying to understand him. We're trying to answer our questions of who is God, what is God like, uh, that we may know him. Uh, some search him out uh, for intellectual um, affirmation. Some search him out uh, for various reasons. But, you know, for us as uh, believers in Christ that we want to know him, the, the more we know him. And like you said, it has direct impact into our lives. It has impact into our worship. Uh, uh, so the attribute is, um, is uh, something that uh, describes um, something or someone. It's, it's, uh, it's a trait that we can, we can begin to understand who God is um, to, to say um, that a quality or character is ascribed to God, such as all of the uh, omni words that we looked at last time, uh, that really when ascribing something is it's coming from us to him. And I, I don't think that we can talk very much or very long about attributes until we begin to realize and talk about how God reveals himself and why he reveals himself and then our understanding and comprehension. So I, I, I think that attributes is uh, a two-way street, if you will, yeah, something God is revealing and something we're comprehending. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I think a, a good starting point for us in this conversation would, uh, not to go negative, but but sometimes we have to, to uh, present the problem so that the solution is worth pursuing. And I think the problem is exactly what I just, the quote I gave from A.W. Tozer, the glory of God is greatly missing from this generation. Mm -hmm. The knowledge of God is is vastly unknown. The, the power of God is uh, revealed in minuscule portions compared to the, the actual omnipotence of God. And so knowing that these things are missing from the church, it behooves us as pastors and leaders and teachers and preachers to proclaim the glory and the greatness and the majesty and the splendor, the weightiness, the substance, the holiness of God, uh, far beyond, I believe, what is being proclaimed in our generation. I think if you go to an average church today, you would probably get more self-help, uh, pop psychology. You probably tend up getting more um, uh, moralistic. Uh, one author write, writes about this generation, it's uh, moralistic, therapeutic deism. Uh, the deism being is sort of God just lets things unfold. The therapeutic is the self-help, the feel good about yourself. Uh, even the, most of the, the hyper-faith and prosperity movement is in that therapeutic movement. Uh, the feel-good gospel and the moralistic is is somewhat of your old school, you know, having to wear a suit and tie to church every Sunday and get in there and they tell you what to do. And, you know, I was listening to a sermon this morning online and um, the, the, the message was, was good, but you know there there was almost no mention of Jesus, very little mention of God, and and very moralistic. Like if you have worries, you got to cast them somewhere else, get rid of them in your heart, you know, and and be strong. And it's like wow, that's you know you salt and pepper a few little grains 
uh, on, onto content that is not gospel. And so the glory of God, uh, the nature of God, the character of God, I think is greatly missing because so many people are, are they, unfortunately, they see this as dry, dead, uh, dusty theology from you know the 1600s that Luther and Calvin and Knox and and then Wesley and Finney and all you know all these older theologians uh, Spurgeon uh, you know are are not uh, important for our generation. Well, they, they are because I believe they they had a grasp on the word very different than the grasp of the word that I think is in uh, commonality to, today. They had a depth when I read. Um, you know, behind me I have uh, some books, uh, John Owen and and um, uh, you know, the, the, these type of writers. Uh, you know, I, I, I sit there and I read that and I just want to cry. I just call, God, I don't even know you. Uh, you know, these men, and it wasn't just the ability, you know, because I think those ancient, ancient those older um, writers had a better grasp of English to start with, you know, so they could use words that are outstanding, you know, and ours are all LOL, you know, things like that, uh, you know, using motive, before long, I think we're going to be using motocons to describe the attributes of God, you know, happy face, um, mm -hmm. which is really sad. And, you know, not just returning to the grasp of language, but to the grasp of the character and the nature of God, the depth of that is, is so astounding that it just it totally blows me away. And I want more of it. And I pray that, you know, Keith and I prayed before we started this today that that what we have this conversation today would not just be intellectual um, realities of, of things that we have read or know, but we'd really communicate the heart of God, that he, that he would, at the end of this time together, people would know God more, glorify God more, exalt him more, see the, the depth and power and riches of God, the presence of his love, the glorious sense of his nature. And so, you know, going back to what you described there as the attributes of God, you know, these are um, to attribute. We are attributing, uh, which means kind of we're placing something on God as we view him. Mm -hmm. But we don't we don't we don't get to act to to attribute, give him those tributes like a tribute. You're giving something to somebody. Uh, we don't get to give those to him until he has first revealed them. And we, in our limited knowledge, have those things revealed to us uh, in parts. So God shows us this part of me is love, this part is mercy. And I think we get that confused because we live in parts. I'm part love and I'm part anger and I'm, I'm part holiness and I'm part lust. And, and so we live in parts. We see God in parts. But his divine nature, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, is one. And really, you know, our attributes are God's kindness, the attributes of a revelation God or his kindness of trying to describe himself, not trying to, but revealing himself to us in ways that we can understand, mm -hmm. but it's far beyond that. And and we'll talk about that oneness, but, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. What do you, what do you think about what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I'm tracking with you. Uh, God is who he is and he is what he is. And uh, our terminologies today, you know, like you say, we don't have that good a grip, frankly, on the English uh, language. Right. We've lost a lot. Uh, I think in our um, modernity, we've lost some good elements of the old English. But there, there are words uh, that we use. Uh, you find them in theology a lot that are not commonly used in language. But words like God is incomprehensible. Uh, how about this one? Ineffable. 
Uh, I had to look that one up, to be honest. Uh, I thought it was like without error. But it, it, it means that he's too great or too extreme, too high, too holy to be able to be expressed in human words. Um, words like illimitable means like there's no limit. There's no boundaries to him. Uh, only there's only limits to God is what he self limits. Uh, he is no lim- He's not limited by anything or anyone or any uh, purpose or circumstances. Uh, Sorry for interrupting there, Keith, but those are almost precursors to understanding his attributes, his love, his mercy, his wrath, his judgment, understanding those words that, that, that you have just, um, just brought to our attention are words that, that are the bigger picture of God in his essence. And then flowing out of that to us, we understand them in, in these things that we might call attributes. Um, but but he, but he is uh, immutable. Um, and, and I like that word, too. You didn't mention that one. Immutable is the word mute is from mutation. He's unchanging. He's he's never changed once from from eternity to eternity. And, you know, we're changing all the time. Uh, so, that's, so we can go to that. You know, and these are real practical. They sound really big and high and lofty, but they're very practical because God is immutable. We have a solid rock. Uh, to place our faith upon, uh, we can trust Him when we pray. Uh, you know, so even these, even those words are big and theological. Uh, they they are crucial, and I, I'm I'm saddened that the church doesn't understand these. I'm saddened that the church doesn't discuss these. I'm saddened that a Sunday service a sermon would not include these. Again, they'd be more therapeutic or moralistic or theistic and uh, or political. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so take a few minutes, Keith, and. Uh, dig a little deeper into some of those words because I think those are uh, really important for us. Can you can you can you describe some of those a little bit more in depth? Well, those are words that we as humans have attached, uh, we've ascribed to God in our pursuit of knowing who He is, and of course, our knowing uh, is really a not knowing. Uh, God, God as as God is unknowable. Uh, us to try to find Him out. Uh, I was thinking there are. Hang on a second, Keith. Sorry, yeah. I'm going to keep running, but I want to make sure we get things clear. I, uh, maybe you're about to describe this, but when you say unknowable, yeah, like well, then you're saying nobody knows God. Then how, how do we even say the word God? I mean, like, like he, you, there has to be some. Not, there is some knowledge of God, but are you saying he's not knowable in his fullness or? Uh, go, go ahead. You're probably going to get there, aren't you? Both. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's like, on one hand, he's not knowable. He's too far beyond us. On the other hand, he's been kind enough, and his grace has revealed things to right. us. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. In his essence, he's unknowable. And from a human perspective, um, I was thinking of uh, Job chapter eleven, uh, verse seven and eight. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They're higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than hell, what can you know? There's this aspect from the human position up to God. What can we know of him? How how can we really fully and accurately define him? How can we know him in that essence? And the reality is, left to us, we could not. But God has chosen... Uh, Ephesians speaks uh, according to the counsel of his own will. He has willed of his own pleasure to make himself known. We find that repeated in the Old Testament. 
God spoke things. God interacted uh, in people's lives. He came and interrupted the course of human societies over and over and over again. And that phrase, as a phrase that's captivated me for a number of years, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And so he wants us to know him. I'm just saying from our from our strength, our position of intellect and capacity, uh, we cannot know him. He's only knowable as he reveals himself. This is called self-revelation. It's yeah. where God has chosen to disclose himself to us. Right. And it, he has not disclosed all of himself, but he's dis disclosed enough of himself that one is that we can know him. And what we can know of him through uh, at least four specific means is enough to satisfy the human soul. Now, that's that's an awesome thought. The, the wholeness, the fullness. I, I, I was pic picturing uh, when God said to Moses, uh, I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to let my glory pass by. But he hit him in the rock and he only got to see the backside kind of as after he had passed. He got to get a glimpse of the back backside of God, so to speak. Right. And that that's enough. So what a glorious concept that God is. He was, he is, and he'll ever be. And is all of those uh, wonderful adjectives. Uh, he is too great to be expressed by human words. Uh, he is not limited or bound uh, in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, he is incomprehensible uh, in the sense of both our capacity and uh, the, the fullness of God is too much for us. Uh, also, uh, along that same line, Gary, um, back into the book of Job, uh, Job 36, 26 says, behold, God is great and we do not know him. God is great and we don't know him. Yeah, uh, but he, knows, he knows he's great, but then he says he doesn't know him. So, right. they're, they're, but, they're, so yeah. he's stating two things. God is great. He's, you can't know the fullness. You can't say you completely have cornered the market on knowledge of God, not experience, not knowledge, but God has self-willed, self-revealing to man, and enough of it has been revealed that any man that wants to know God, there's plenty of evidence. There's plenty of revealing. And um, the, 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 the follow-up of that is when we come to say, well, then how does God reveal? Because God knows in us is an innate uh, desire that, that we know our creator, that we know our maker, and knowing our God, knowing our maker, our creator, gives a weightiness to our own lives, to our purpose, to the to the course of our decisions on, on earth. Uh, at least it should be that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, you mentioned Tozer. Um, it's just because, too, we've been reading. Uh, we don't want people to think that we're just Tozerites, but we have been reading Tozer together. Uh yeah. He wrote, I, I liked what he said, whatever may be correctly ascribed to God in whatever way uh, God has revealed as being true of himself. So in other words, he's saying what we ascribe to God, any of these positive adjectives, these glorious uh, English words that help us to try to scope him out uh, come as a result of God revealing himself 
to us and what he reveals to us is absolutely true and um, and eternal. It's a mental so we we get a mental concept, a mental picture. Uh, and then we formulate uh, an intellectual response by using our human terminologies to say God is these things. But even our definitions are are n not so uh, all encompassing and exhaustive. That's right. I agree. And that's, that's powerful. Key. Thank you. There, there's um, a couple of past, there's a couple of um, a couple of experiences man in the scripture have had in, in this. Uh, it, it, not necessarily saying what you just said, but they're experiencing it. Uh, the first is is Isaiah, uh, I think it's Isaiah, is it six? Um, I saw the Lord, he was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, this is the year King Uzziah had died, and uh, mm. th th then he sees something, and th that the, the Hebrew word there for the, the train of his robe, uh, when I picture a train of a robe, I, I, you know, I picture the, the, the veil of a, of, a, of a bride and a wedding, a very long flowing, but the Hebrew word there is the hem of a garment, so, so Isaiah says, uh, the hem of your garment filled the temple, and and to me this 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 is an emotional description of exactly what you just uh, said to us is that mm -hmm. Isaiah is saying I entered the temple and it was like woe is me I am undone, mm -hmm. and I'm undone just because I've seen the hem of his garment I haven't even seen I haven't even seen the, the top six eight ten twelve inches I haven't I haven't seen so so when we say we can't know God. You know, we say no. There's too much of him to be known in our mental capacity and our limited understanding. But the him that we have is quite brilliant and it's quite exhaustive and it's quite magnificent. It's and these attributes are in, just in the hem of his garment. So when we say we we understand a little bit of the love of God or the wrath of God, we we understand that little hem of the wrath of God or the knowledge of the power of the omnipotence of God or the immutability of God. We know in part uh, through a glass darkly. Uh, and yet God in his goodness has you know, said, like, uh, it's, it's the, you know, a king gets to seek these things out. Uh, and, uh, you know, and Spurgeon talks about this. It's like a lazy man will never get full knowledge of the attributes of God as, as to the capacity that we are able. Uh, because, you know, we get into the word and we just sort of want, we want a little bit of like a pick me up for the day, you know, kind of almost like a coffee cup mug. Uh, you know, give, give me a little thing like, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yay, I'm going to go out today and, um, you know, make another thousand dollars. You know, it's just like very, uh, uh, you know, not the same thing Isaiah saw when he saw the hem of the garment, you know, falling down on his face. The second one is John in, uh, you know, of course, we understand in, in John uh, Revelation chapter one, uh, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. Uh, which is a pretty good thing, you know. It's it's like I'm in the spirit, like man, I feel spirit filled, I feel his presence. But he says, then I heard a voice, and I turned and I saw one. And he says he sees seven golden lampstands, which represent the seven churches. And he says, but I, then I saw one in the middle. And man, that that blows me away. That just like I get goosebumps when I think about that. That John he saw the seven churches with all their glory and all their problems and all their potential. And he's thinking, and he's a pastor, so he's thinking about these seven churches, like, oh, God, revive them, oh, God. But then he says, no, but then I saw one in the middle. And that changes everything, like seeing the glory of God, seeing his attributes. All of a sudden, the things of this world, even the churches of this world, my sermons, my podcasts, all become dim. And what I want is him, the one in the middle. <clears throat> Skipping to Revelation 22, then, John has another experience. Revelation 22, where he's seeing the throne of God and the glory of God and the majesty, uh, the end of Revelation 21. And then into 22, 
he sees this glorious being and he says he falls down at his face, you know, almost like oh, I, I, I've seen some of these attributes, the glory and nature of God, but he made a mistake. And the angel, so the angel Lord says to him, get up. He rebukes him. Stand up because I'm not God. I am an angel of the Lord. You know, we are to worship God only. And so John, the beloved, right? He's the one who laid his head on the chest of Christ. He was probably the most intimate with Jesus out of anybody that we read of in, in the pages of scripture. And he knew Jesus so intimately, so well, so close. And yet when he sees the glory of an angel, he falls down at his face thinking it's God. And, and the angel says, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to do our best to describe some of these things in the next few weeks. But really, um, we're all going to be dumbfounded when we stand before God and say like, oh, we thought you're at, we thought power was like this. That was like a you know 10 watt light bulb compared to a billion nuclear explosions. Um, you know, but uh, what we glory, you know, um, uh, says, let not a wise man glory in his wisdom. So we can have some wisdom about his attributes or a mighty man in his strength. So we can have a strong understanding of things. But it says, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he knows me and understands me, that I am a God of, there it is. And start saying, I'm this kind of God of love and mercy and kindness. And so, uh, so these attributes are all important, but we only know in part, but the part we know, we really want to, we really want to be aggressively pursuing because that yeah. that hem is a, a lifetime of study you know we won't even know the hem of, of that of that of that garment um let's switch gears here uh, let's take the next 10 minutes and and uh, talk about what are what are some of the attributes of god and put a little bit of descriptor on there you described a few words now the ones you described earlier would, would those would those be considered attributes of god or more descriptions of what what contains those attributes i guess i'd see them a little bit more of uh you know i'm gary wilkerson and i'm kind of somewhat kind can you say amen to that keith or no or <laughs> no, i'm not hearing it <laughs> i think i'm not able to split that kind of a hair gary okay. i you know what we attribute to god is what we've gained uh, from his revelation, uh, the amount, the amount, the, the, the comprehension that we have of, uh, from God's revelation of himself, we then uh, put adjectives, we put terminologies uh, on him that, uh, from our viewpoint, help us to try to understand him. We, we have some kind of a, a humanness about us that we love to categorize. Uh, we we like to departmentalize. And so when we think of God, uh, if he is, and he is, unknowing, and he is unlimited, and he is without scope, and he's beyond our comprehension, uh, then how do we define him? How, how would we know him? Right. Yeah, so I, think, we do, I think what I'm asking there, the, the, those things you just were described, incomprehensible, what were the other words you just used? Uh, incomprehensible. He's uh, yeah. Those, to me, those things are not necessarily the attributes of God. Okay. Those are those are the things that that who those are his uh, his the reality of his existence. And then from that, and not that not that love is not still who God is, but uh, you know, there there are effects on our life because of certain attributes: uh, justice of God, mercy of God, anger of God, love of God. Whereas the immutability of God or the incomprehensible nature of God, 
I don't know if they're necessarily attributes they are, but just they're, they're, they're sort of his self-existence. Uh, you know, they, they, they give us some some sense of his nature, maybe more than his attributes. Um, so I think that's the way I would say it. The, the things you just described are the nature of God. He is unchanging. He is he is um, uh, uh, eternal. Um, you know, I, suppose, I suppose those could be attributes as well, but I see those more as the nature of God and then the at attributes that exude from him to us uh, become his come become his attributes. And both of us, you know, we, we started this session by saying we're going to talk about the attributes of God, but really the, the nature and character of God is is all encompassing in this because God is one and, and he's holy. And I keep interrupting you, Keith. I know you're about to say something else there, so please continue. Oh, it's okay. Um, I, I guess I'm not making um, that fine line of a distinction. I think any of those kind of uh, terminologies, uh, some maybe really specifically define who he is, and then some define perhaps how or in what nature he does things. Uh, and you know, but I I think that uh, the definition is quality or character or characteristics that we ascribe uh, to some to someone or to something. Uh, again, going back Tozier. Uh, we're ascribing to God terminologies that come from the revelation that God gives us. You know, and the revelation that, that God has chosen to show himself uh, to man that we may know him, uh, there may be more, but I, I identified four. Um, and I think typically these are the four that are, that are uh, uh, mentioned most often, and that is, you know, creation uh, and then scripture. And then the uh, Holy Spirit, and then of course Christ. And so when we Those when we look, the four ways of getting to know the attributes is that what you're saying? I'm saying these are the four ways that God has seen to to be primary ways that God revealed Himself. Right. Remember, remember, we don't know kind of uh, we don't know anything unless He reveals Himself to us, and He's revealed Himself to us through creation. We know. Uh, Romans chapter one, and it's a section of scripture that I probably will come back to, but chapter one, uh, verses 19 through 25, uh, just basically says that what man can know of God has been revealed to them because God has shown it to them, yeah. uh, verse 19. And then he's because of creation, uh, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. And then as it goes down, it talks about his eternalness. Uh, his power, which is the uh, omnipotence of God, uh, speaks of the Godhead. Uh, and then there's man's, uh, so he's saying that by this creation, I'm revealing myself to all mankind. And um, then, you know, the, the scriptures, uh, Romans 7 talks about the law, that it is holy and that its commandments are holy, just and good. God is the lawgiver. And the law itself reflects the nature, the characteristics of the lawgiver. So if the law is good, holy, just, then God himself is that way. Uh, and so he's revealing himself through scripture. First John chapter three, verse two and three says, now we are the children of God. And it, it has not yet been revealed what we will be, but we know right now we know that when Christ is fully revealed, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Yeah. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So there, again, is the revealing through the scriptures 
that God is pure and that Christ is pure and that when we see him as he is, even now in our limited way, we can see that God is pure, he's holy, he's righteous, all those adjectives. Um, so you have creation, you have scripture, then you have uh, the Holy Spirit. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, that God has revealed to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is one of the ways by which God reveals himself. Right. And I, we know uh, that he does not, he doesn't need to reveal all of himself, but what he has revealed is enough uh, for men to know God. And it is enough to satisfy the heart and the soul of man until that day to where we'll really see him in his fullness, see him as he is. Uh, you'd mentioned a while ago that um, about knowing God, and I thought of that verse, uh, eye is not seen uh, and ear is not heard. It hasn't even entered into the mind of man the things that God has in store for those who, who love him and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. So if the things that is creation and things of that nature exceeds our capacity, think how much more God exceeds the one who's making those things. Uh, I, it's a mind blower, really. Uh, we have to stop and slow down and work our way through that prayerfully, intellectually. And then we come to um, the last means of revelation, and that's the epitome of revelation is Christ. Uh, we thank God for creation, and it's enough. And we thank God for scriptures, and it was God-breathed, and it's for all men. Uh, and if we will read the scriptures, the scriptures speak of God and of Christ. We can know him through the scriptures. And we certainly love and appreciate and desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit. But it all comes together in Christ, uh, where Christ is the epitome. He, he's the fullness. Um, where it says in John 1.14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld we saw, we understood, we comprehended his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, and he goes on in chapter John chapter 14. He said, if you've known me, then you've known my Father. Uh, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And of course, uh, that old verse that we all love is Colossians 2.9, that uh, for in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Uh, Christ, uh, not not simply his body, the physical aspects of his body, but his attitude, his actions, his word, his conduct, they all reflected the fullness of the Godhead. So by these means, people can know God. And then once that revelation is made to man, then man becomes ultimately responsible. We know that God has said man will be without an excuse. There's not a soul that's going to stand before him and say, I didn't know. I couldn't know. We do know because there's also the bearing witness uh, in our hearts. There's that innate, inborn uh, self-knowing. Uh, uh, come If we read Romans chapter 132 and Romans 215, that knowledge has been implanted in our conscience. It's, it's part of the morality that's within every man. And that morality speaks of a moral lawgiver, the, the one who is good and right and just. So, um, you know, 
I, I think when we talk about this grand, lofty uh, concept and issue of God, we have to see that God is revealing himself. And even today, it doesn't really depend upon circumstances. Circumstances can be used uh, in the purposes of God to reveal himself to men. But it really, you know, I think a lot of it comes down that he has revealed himself. But it's the seeking heart. It's the longing in the heart of man that if that will, if we'll respond to that, then the Holy Spirit will work to draw us ever and ever and ever closer to him. And the more we understand him, and it is a lifelong process, Paul, at the end of his life, nearing the end of his ministry, of course, he said, oh, that I might know him. So it's an, we can't ever exhaust that knowing, yeah. but have to, we have to realize that God is all of those adjectives, all those good things we say about him. Yeah. And he's showing himself to us and he's drawing us to them, to him. Yeah. Uh, we're willing. That's right. Wow, powerful. I, I love those, the way you lined, lined up the different uh, ways uh, from, from Romans 1. You know, one of my favorite verses I have underlined my Bible is for the invisible attributes. I think it might be the only time the word attributes is used in the New Testament. Um, but but it is there, and then he says those things are powerful, and they're just part of his divine nature. That's his essence. That's his being. That's who he is. So uh, you know, and through creation, through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through Christ, uh, we get to know him. So so my prayer and Keith and I's desire for you today is that you would not be listening to, um, you know, Paul talked about the, the demonstration of power, not just the the, the mere words, not just uh, words of men. That, that we pray that there be some power behind this. And and the power would be, uh, you know, whoever's thirsty, come and drink of me. Uh, you know, they, so, so a, a dry and thirsty uh, heart and a, a parched mouth, uh, a famine that there is in the land for the word of God. We we do these podcasts here, this particular sessions that we're doing on the attributes, nature, character of God, are, are to we pray create hunger in you, to cause you to return to. That, that that passionate pursuit and of the divine and the holy. And so we're going to take the next, uh, I think we started off, Keith, by saying maybe the next 10, 12 weeks. I have a feeling, because we haven't even started talking about any of the attributes yet, and we're on like week two or three here. Uh, so let's let's pause here and come back next week and uh, and take some moments, some time to, to go through uh, what are some of the more commonly known attributes of God and then how those attributes can be described to the best of our knowledge and then how those descriptions impact our life. Because all of these things are very practical. Um, I heard one preacher say, you know, every every time you give a message, there needs to be a, a, a now what and a so what. You know, like so so there's a, a, oh, big deal, attributes of God, so what? Well, they totally transform your life. You are changed more by the attributes of God, the knowledge of the holy, than you are any therapy, any pastoral counseling, uh, any small group you might go to, knowing the heart of God will transform your life more than anything else. So that's the that's the so what. And then the now what is, you are a thirsty creature. You are hungry for more of God. And and these things are, are, are the wetting of our appetite. You can bring a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. We pray that we're bringing, not that we're calling our friends or listening to us horses or donkeys or anything else near like that, but we are saying all of us, need to be drawn towards towards that, those things that are holy. So we'll be back next week uh, with some powerful things, I believe. Keith, thanks for your input, and uh, it's stirring, stirring my heart. I want to hear more. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Keith. Many of our hard questions about the world are answered as we come to know God better. 
As we look at our own lives and question why certain things have happened, knowing God's character is both a comfort and a solution to many of our fears. Growing to know Him better will give us peace and joy like nothing else. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigginton with audio and video production by Aaron Gale. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and for supporting. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. We hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast to hear more from Keith and Gary about the nature of God.